0: Some days are terrible, you wish that you were dead And some days are magical, like great banana bread Someday we'll be friends with the voices in our heads The voices in our heads Hello, everyone, and congrats on not killing yourself! You survived another week on planet Earth. Mm. Was it easy? Probably not. Was it fun? No. But I hope it was. I hope you had a good time. If you're in New Jersey or in the New Jersey area, I'm headlining the Stress Factory in New Brunswick, New Jersey, January 4th through the 6th. Come on out. I got to move tickets. They have not been moved yet, and I got to start promoting it. I think they put a low ticket warning on the website, but that's a lie. So buy your tickets and tell everybody that you know in the Jersey area to buy tickets because I've been doing stand-up for 10 years and I'm pretty good at it at this point. And that's a lot for me because I'm my own biggest bully. So if I'm saying I'm good at something, there's something to that. Um, hey, can we stop normalizing watching a television show on your iPhone whilst doing your job? I think that would be nice if we stopped doing that because, look, light, I get it. Life's stressful. And when you're at work, you don't want to be working. I get it. I had a day job. I did work 30% of the time. Laid in the bathroom, took naps 10% of the time. And then I dicked around the other 60% of the time. Wow, quick math. Good job, Christina. Thank you. Um, but I got to say, a lot of Uber drivers, they got multiple phones and iPads set up in their little console. And they're watching TV shows while they're driving. And I don't know that that's good. In fact, I know that it's bad. And I don't think you should do it because maybe you'll crash. This one guy, I was in an Uber the other day, and he almost ran into a woman pushing a stroller. She had the right of way. He was watching a show on YouTube. What show was it? I don't know. Because I was like, bro, you got it. Can you not watch? Can you not? It's so. It's still difficult for me to stand up to people, even in circumstances where I'm like, I know I'm right. And it's not because I don't believe I should or can. It's more that I'm protecting them from my own rage. Like, I don't want to let out that beast. But I said something to this guy. I'm like, you all you guys stop watching the TV shows on your phone because you almost hit that lady's baby carriage. That would have ruined all y'all's lives and mine. I don't want to see that shit. Ugh. And then this one woman, this has not have to do with the phone, but I'll get back to the phone thing, uh, was walking her miniature at wiener dog. And I was like, oh, my God, it's a sign. But I had a green light. And I was going, I was driving. I was not watching a television show. I was looking at the road and I saw that the light was green and I went a little bit faster to make the light, but I knew I was in a neighborhood. So I did not, the speed limit was 25. I was going like 22, you know, cause people motherfuckers be walking, people be walking in the street and this woman was walking her dog and this little mini wiener dog ran out in front of my car and I slammed on my brakes. Actually, I have Kevin in the car with me. He was alarmed because the slamming of the brakes was very abrupt. And I was like, What the fuck? And I was like, I'm gonna say something to this girl. And I rolled down my window and I was like, dude, you gotta not, you gotta watch for cars. And she just looked down at the floor. And I was like, all right, she feels bad enough. Hopefully she's never gonna do that again. she sure yo, if I ran over a dog, I'm done. I mean, I don't know if I, I'll never, I'll be in therapy four days a week for that. I can't, that can't, and I go slow when I'm in a neighborhood. I go under the speed limit because I don't want that to happen. But my God lady, if I ran over your miniature wiener dog, he's going to hear from me every day after that. Okay. Um, also people on the job watching phones, Oh, the doormen in my building. And it's only every once in a while. Like oh, the overnight shift, they hire some randos. The doormen and women in my building are actually fantastic. They're really nice, lovely, just a gentle, genuine smile. And not one of those, hi, how are you? Like none of that fake shit. They're like, hey, how you doing? And if they're not in a good mood, they're like, hey, what's up? I'm like, I appreciate that. Don't fucking put on a happy face if you're not feeling it. You know, life's hard. Okay. But every once in a while, they'll get an overnight guy that just watch, like they watch, they're watching their phone, like the phone is four inches from their eyes as they're watching it. And I'm just like, I mean, and in my neighborhood lately, it's a great neighborhood, but sometimes people come in who shouldn't be there and, you know, security needs to happen. And you can't do security while you're watching your favorite television show. The only thing you're securing is that you're not missing a beat. Uh, on the character plots and the progression of the show, but that's not the time for that right now, you know? Maybe check your emails or do a text, or at least if you're gonna watch a TV show while well, being the doorman, pretend you're not. Like, don't have it blasting so loud that I can hear it the second I get off the elevator. You know what I mean? It's just, don't watch your phone on the job. It's just, maybe don't. Especially if it's a public-facing job or a driving job. Don't watch your phone while you drive. Oprah will kill you, Okay. Um. Also, <clears throat> been, I've been driving a lot and uh, been going to all these little towns, these little suburban towns, and they all have a porn store. And the last three local porn stores that I've driven by are called romantic depots. We don't got to do that. Romantic? That's not romantic. That's hot, steamy fun. Okay? I just feel like, know your branding, know your audience, you know? A guy isn't going to get one of those fleshy... Uh, torsos with a butt for romance. You know, he's doing it to pretend it's someone he used to know that didn't want to date him and he's just going to fuck it while he plays a video of her on Instagram with her voice and he's going to close his eyes and he's gonna pretend it's her. It's not romantic. It's getting your needs met. You know what I mean? But on a positive note, because I don't want to just come at you with all these negative things, right? You've got to balance it. Harmony, yin and yang. Um, a little fun tip to make your life more fun. I'm stacked with those. Next time you're in a bathroom, if it has one of those dryers that's like, it just blows a violent stream of air onto your hands, make that fart sound with your hands. It's easier than you think. It's so fun. I was doing it the other day in a bathroom when I was waiting to get um, a little facial and I was just sitting there for about five minutes just laughing at all the fart noises I was making. And then someone came in and she like didn't think that was cute. I'm like, first of all, you don't gotta think it's cute, but don't give me a... Look, fuck you! And then she just went in and went. Pfft. She just went in like. Pfft. She just went. Oh, I was like, "Oh, I'm sorry, my fart sounds are from my hand and not my asshole. I'm. This is the room where we. They should be from your asshole." Anyway, um, a monumental thing happened to me, but I have not seen. So, I saw Beyonce over the summer. Okay, with my friend Donna Guerrero.s and she reminded me while we were seeing Beyonce. She's like, when when it was COVID, like fucking summer of twenty twenty, ain't nobody doing nothing. We were like, can we breathe the air? We don't know. I was rollerblading with a mask on in the summer. That's where I was like, I don't think I know what we do. No one's telling me stuff. Or they're telling me stuff, but it's all posing things. Um, I said to Donna, We're going to be when this is all over, we're going to see Beyonce front row. She reminded me of that while we were seeing Beyonce front row. And I was like, I'm glad you reminded me of that because I forgot about that because I just be saying shit, you know, anything's possible. So I'm just trying to say I'm just trying to speak everything into reality. Right. And so I'm like, oh, that's nice. I fucking manifested this. And during the Beyonce right before she came out, she was uh, the show started an hour late, which usually doesn't happen. It's usually pretty on time. Because I was asking the security guards. I'm like, does this happen a lot? And she's like, no, it's usually on time. And I was like, oh, something crazy must have been happening. Hope she's okay. And uh, and then there was some crazy guest that was walking through the crowd towards these back elevated seats, and everyone was freaking out, but I couldn't see because the crowd was kind of covering this person. And I was I assumed it was Jay-Z. It was motherfucking Oprah and motherfucking Gail. And I was like, God damn, Oprah's here? That's my other favorite person. Um, and so it was a really lovely. I was just that meant a lot to me that Oprah was there because I was like, I love you so much, Oprah. You make people's lives better and you talk about stuff and your interview style is real good and you've been through a lot of trauma. And so when Beyonce finally came out an hour late, the anticipation was building. But Beyonce fans were cool as hell. We're not like, "Where is she? You fucking take your goddamn time, queen. You take your goddamn time. OK, you take as much time as you want. I'll wait for to, to, forever for you to come out on stage, which isn't healthy. That's more of a putting people on a pedestal. But anyway, I remember when she came out, this thing happens to me all the time. Whenever I see Beyonce, the first like 10 minutes of the concert, I just cry. I cry. I try not to, but I'm like, ah, fuck it. You know, uh, there's people around me that are crying. It doesn't matter. But I remember when I was crying, we were front row, meaning in our section. So we were up against the barricade, which meant when she passed us on that little aisle, we was going to be very fucking close to her. So that got me. I was very excited to be, you know, within five feet of her body. And she came out, I cried like I always do. And I remember there was a camera in my face. There was like a camera cruise everywhere. And I, I know that there's, you know, there was a video in the background of the concert the entire time that showed footage of the show for people in the in the very back. So I figured it was that. But I remember it as I was crying, there was just a camera right in my face. And I'm like, this is fucking embarrassing. Is, don't put me on the Jumbotron, please. Look at the crying girl. Oh, she's such a Pisces. Um, but I remember thinking that and I was like, ah, whatever. And then the concert happened and it was amazing. It was life-changing. The traffic after the concert was maniacal, but I was it was the happiest I've ever been in traffic because we just saw, we just had a spiritual experience. And being in a stadium filled with people that are Beyoncé fans that are so excited to see her. I mean, that kind of energy, you're not gonna get nowhere. Maybe, maybe in Brazil, the Christ the Redeemer statue, but that's about that's the only other place. That's a scientific fact, you know. Um, So and one of my mantras, I say mantras all the time, you know, trying to speak stuff into existence. And one of my mantras that I say, because I don't want to cap all the good stuff that could possibly happen to me in a lifetime. You know, I'm like this or more, you know, I want to have a million dollars in my bank account or more. Girl, if you want to give me more. Hell yeah. So one of them is like I have all these goals that I'll just say out loud every day. And then I'll say like and then really surprising things happen that are beyond my wildest dreams that I couldn't even think of just to make sure I cover all the bases. And so I got a DM uh, this past Monday and I happened to check it, checked it right before we were recording. Guys, we fucked. And it was from a woman. I ended up posting it on my Instagram feed, which I should not have done because she was like, "Hey, can you take that down? Because I shouldn't have like told you that. I'm like, oh, sorry. But the DM read, Christina, you feature in the Beyonce film. I was at the premiere and you're on the screen in the crowd with tears in your eyes. I was like, she's going to die with happiness when she sees this. Guys, I have not been the same person since I got this DM. And this evening, after uh, we do Guys We Fucked live from YouTube, I will be headed to Kip's Bay Theater to see the Beyonce concert movie with Donna. And I was like, girl, I'm gonna be there like 10 minutes late. Can you have your camera ready? So I have not seen it, but she said I was in it. And being, I mean, being only really being obsessed with one person in the land and then loving her so much and then she releases a concert film of the concert you saw and then you're in the film. I don't, I'm gonna, that's gonna be my identity for the next three years. I'm gonna get a painting of the screenshot. I'm gonna, it's, you're gonna be annoyed. You're gonna be annoyed. I can't, that is That is exactly what I was trying to call in with the mantra shit because no, no fucking way i would have been like and then i'm gonna be in the beyonce movie never maybe as a little dot in the crowd but i never i wouldn't even have thought to ask for that so thanks god you're delivering fucking <laughs> that's so cool what good for me um guys life is short do weird shit do weird shit do fun shit i'm doing something fun that's very woo woo lately i'm taking a remote viewing class. With this guy, Alan Steinfeld. Alan Steinfeld wrote a lot of books on aliens. Well, one book on aliens. It was really good. It's called Making Contact. Highly recommend. I met him because we were uh, interviewing him for my other other show, Wait What? And uh, he's a lovely man. He's like a male grandmother willow. I just, he just like, he's like a wise older man with long white hair. And he's just lovely he, he reminds me of Duncan from Duncan's Choi Chest in Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, where he's like, take the turtle doves. You're like, oh, you just, I want you to be my pop pop and wrap me in a warm blanket. He's got a great energy to him. And he he DM'd me about a class he was teaching about remote viewing. You don't know what remote viewing is. It's also called psychic spying because back in the Cold War times, what year? I don't know. Look it up. Uh, I'm not smart with history. Um, the Russian government and the United States government were hiring and training people to be psychic spies and remote viewing. So Alan had this great metaphor. We're two classes in. So I only got two, two classes out of six down. But he used this great metaphor. He said, when you are listening to a radio show, you don't crack open your radio to try and find the radio host because that's not where the radio host is. The radio is a transmitter for the host's voice to get to you. It's the same thing with our consciousness. You can't crack open a person and just open their brain and go, there's the consciousness. Our bodies are receptors of the, of the like little antennas of that consciousness. And it makes fucking sense when you think about it like that. And so going off of that concept, you can project your consciousness anywhere in the world, past, present or future, which is fucking wild. You can even project your consciousness to another planet, which is apparently what we're going to be doing in the sixth class. And you I'm a fucking I'll let you know how that one goes. Um, but we've been taking this class. And so far, we're just learning about he'll he'll say, I have a painting that I'm going to show you on the screen. And I just want you guys to sit and relax and take a few deep breaths and see if you get allow it to come to you. OK, intuition is very subtle which is why we often miss it because we're too busy paying attention to the emotions that are like, hey, wait, I didn't get the love I needed. And they're so loud that you're like, well, that's the voice I should pay attention to. Eh. Wrong. That is that the voice you should pay attention to? No, it's not. That's correct. Um, and so we did all these exercises as a group. And I got to say, everybody's capable of remote viewing. And there has been this one class I took yesterday Class number two, she had one of the members go to a place in their home or property, shut off their video screen, and we're all going to try and draw where they were, what they were looking at. And I fucking nailed it. And so do the other people in the class. It's freaky. And Alan's like, I got to be honest, I don't know where this is coming from, but it's your consciousness can just go places if you direct it. I'm like, that's fucking cool. Um, but one of the reasons why I took the class is because I used to do remote viewing as a child but I didn't know that was what it was called. Um, I thought I was Matilda when I was a kid and I will just try to make Cheerios move with my eyes. Didn't get to that uh, success in that department. But uh, a lot of times I would hang out with my parents' friends. They would pick me up because my parents were like, mm-hmm, we're busy at a flea market. And, and so I would be waiting and I'd be very impatient. I'm a very impatient child that grew into a very impatient woman. And I would sit on my front porch and I'd be like, where the frick are they? And... I would go, okay, put yourself in the back of their car. So I'll put myself, I'll close my eyes and I'll put myself in the back of their vehicle. And I'm like, all right, I will look around and I was like, okay, there's trees. Okay, I know that, bill. all right, I know where they are. Okay, so how do you get from here to my house? Okay, this is how you get. And I would go through the route in the back of their car. And then just as I thought they were gonna turn down the street, I would look to my left and turn down to look at Royal Grant Drive in Chesapeake, Virginia. And God damn, if that car didn't turn exactly when I envisioned it. And I'm like, and I look up at the sky and go, yo, I am Matilda. Hell yeah. Or maybe I'm beyond that. I'm Christina. Because can Matilda remote view? She probably could. She probably could. But this remote viewing class is really cool. Did you have a good Thanksgiving, guys? Did you have a, you, are you okay? Mikey, how was your Thanksgiving? My Thanksgiving was um, pretty good. Yeah? You know, other than having to be in New Jersey. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry for your loss. But other than that, yeah. I saw you posting all the videos with children. And all the I felt the ovaries going, Oh, Michael, yeah. oh, get Every, that big dong over here. <laughs> Everybody's got kids now, so it's so fun. You go over there and you see people's babies and you see, you know, it used to be that my my sisters were young enough for not not that young, but you know what I mean. Like yeah. you there is like a almost like a college element to it, I guess. Yeah. And now it's babies. Yeah, you know? that's fun. That's a fun stage. Babies are so fun. Yeah. Especially when they're not yours. Yes. You can just fucking play Give with it them. Back. Yeah. Yeah. And go. I don't want this anymore. That was yours. See ya. You have to deal with it. You have to deal with your life decisions. Um, The night before Thanksgiving, I usually don't go out. I don't know what I do, but I never like go out the night before. I know it's a big party night. And I was out because um, uh, Colin was playing a show and I was like, I want to go out to Fideye and go to this music show and just watch people get sloshed. And boy, they did not disappoint. The lovely New Yorkers of the financial district that were home for Thanksgiving, and it's mostly dudes. I mean, they got wasted. They had the devil in their eyes. I mean, they, it's like, you didn't want them to make eye contact with you. That's how wasted they, they just had like a, no, first of all, no one gets that way when they smoke weed. They just get like tired and like, huh? But they don't have that evil. Like, uh Oh, what you think about Willis? Like what's going on in that fucking little head of yours? I don't want to know. Uh, don't write it in a diary. It may be used against you as evidence one day, um, or do, and then solve the case. But, uh, There was so many drunk dudes. I mean, it was so fun. It was so funny. I love being sober amongst drunks because you really realize that drinking alcohol is just feeding yourself poison. And uh, when you drink too much of it, you act like a little shit. There was one girl that I really fell for. I I went outside to smoke a cigarette. And she her all of her friends dressed up in these like they they had like little turkey hats and little headbands with turkey ears and fucking all this shit. And they were all such a like a cute, lovely group of friends, girls and boys mixed in. And then this one chick in this mini skirt with fucking turkey turkey feathers in her in her in her uh, headband was so drunk that she couldn't. She looked, you know, when old people don't have teeth anymore and they just kind of like collapse into themselves, that's what she looked like. And she was barfing all over herself and it was in her shoes. And then she was wearing a really short skirt and it was like getting up her skirt. I'm like, don't get barf in your vagina hole. That's going to sting. I did that once. Mm, It's not fun. The food poisoning. That was the last time I had food poisoning. I was barfing and shitting at the same time. And then when you're barfing and then you're naked and you barf on your Private parts. <laughs> it's not cute, <laughs> so don't do that. Um, but I'm starting to realize that I think the key to Thanksgiving, to enjoying it, no family, zero family, just friends. That is a guaranteed, at least not shitty Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, so it could be so stressful, especially if you're hosting. My God, but we we I, we had it at a friend's house, and it was so loud. it was eight people. And then two other people came later. The perfect amount of people. Because I didn't realize this the whole time. I was just faking it. Oops. I don't like giant groups. I thought I did. I was like, wow, I'm so outgoing and friendly. Nah, I was just going, hi, guys. Yeah, how are you? No, I'm great. I didn't like it the whole time, but I didn't know that until later, until the pandemic hit. And so... It was the perfect amount of people. We played games. Your girl loves games because I'm mad competitive and I get really pissed off when I don't win. However, the older I get, the less pissed off I get. So that's that's a good thing because it is embarrassing when you're in your 30s. It's not cute. Even when you're in your 20s. Honestly, 10 is the cap. 10 is the cap for getting pissed off for losing a game, you know, uh, but I took that into I was like challenge accepted. I'm gonna get pissed off till I'm 34. Okay. And I did. And it's embarrassing. When I was a child, no one wanted to play the game Trouble with me because one time my friend Austin was like, I don't want to play games with you because you get mad and you, you like throw your pieces. And I was like, no, I don't. Oh, yeah, I do. Sorry. And I was like, I got to change my ways. And then cut to, you know, fucking 30 plus years later. And I figured it out, guys. But we played this game. It was, it was called... Uh, some type of charades game where it's this device where a word, you pick a category and a word pops up. We did boys versus girls, um, which made me want to win even more. And uh, you have to describe the word without saying the word. Buffett. That's all right. Mikey's just, you know, go over there diddling with his computer. Um, I'm trying to get work done as, as I listen to you tell these stories. Oh yes. Yes. <laughs> with a, with a, with a wide ear. Um, uh So yeah, this game, you have to describe the word to your, to, and then like, oh, and then, but the buzzer, there's a buzzer the whole time and it gets faster and faster. And whoever loses the round is determined by whoever has that device in their hand when it goes, "Eh." and so the time ticker thing, sound effect gets really fast when it's about to go "Eh," and it's so anxiety inducing, but, um, uh, So that happened to me once and the word was jeopardy. And I was like, it's it's Colin loves watching it on YouTube. Why didn't I say Alex Trebek, dude? Just say Alex Trebek game show trivia. Oh, I thought of so many great clues after after the after my turn was over and I lost a lot of points for my team. And, you know, fight or flight, baby you're it, when you're when your anxiety's going, your thinking brains offline. And there's no better example of that than when you're playing this game that I forget what it's called. And that buzzer's ticking and you're holding the thing and you can't figure out you can't find the word Alex Trebek in your fucking head to say it through your mouth. OK, but yeah, key to Thanksgiving, zero family members. Although I do. I love my brother and my nephew, but um, and I love the other members of my family. But like, Boy, it's stressful when family's involved. And I th- This was my favorite Thanksgiving. And then we played a game afterwards. Oh, so brilliant. Just fucking hang out with your friends, guys. Hang out with your friends more. Because I know as we get older, your friends circles shrink. And then everybody gets married and has kids. And no one wants to hang out with each other. But it's like, this is when we need to hang out with each other. Because we're more actualized people with more interesting shit to say. And this is when we don't hang out with each other. We mostly hang out with each other when we're 22 and wasted. Nah, we got to change that, son. Let's change that. Um, We played a game where we each wrote a question down and then we had uh, people around the table answer the question, like not anonymously answering it, but it was anonymously asked. And I was like, oh, this is my bread and butter interviewing people. Are you kidding me? So the question that I wrote down was uh, describe uh, describe something that someone said to you that completely changed your perspective about a person or a situation. That's a great fucking question. That's a great fucking question. And I thought we had to answer my question, uh, our questions. And then the answer that I had to it was really bleak. Um, but I was like, I'm going to share it because I think it might be funny. But it's one of those things that I often do where I'm like, I've done this on stage before. I'm like, this is a funny thing because it's so dark. And then everyone just goes, oh, that's a bummer. I'm like, oh, sorry, guys. I was trying to be funny with it. Y'all don't want to be funny about trauma. Okay, okay. Cause maybe I'm not over yet and that's what you're reading. Oh, got it. Okay, cool. I'll come back later after I do therapy a little bit. Um, but yeah, the, one of the, one of the answers that I had to that was, uh, (laughs) so my mom had a lot of suicide attempts throughout my life. And I remember one time Corinne said to me, you know, your mom's really good at trying to kill herself, but she's not really good at doing it. And I was like, (laughs) Oh shit. Yeah, that's true. If you want to do it, you kind of just do it, huh? oh, fuck, I got to rethink some shit. And that sent me down a wormhole of sadness for about a year. Uh, But that was a good, that was a good one. That would have been a bummer though. I'm glad I didn't answer my own question because I feel like I would have killed the mood. But it was a great conversation. Like we had deep, deep talks and I could tell a lot of the people around the table, like, Maybe they weren't used to getting that deep. They didn't, we didn't know everybody like terribly well, but we knew most people pretty well. That was the vibe of it, but it doesn't matter. I mean, it's really cathartic to, to vent in front of strangers. That's why I have my Patreon, patreon.com slash Christina Hutchinson. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sign up four times a month. We do group zoom therapy. Okay. Cause I'm not a licensed therapist. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just really cathartic. And it, we were talking, we were all talking and hanging out until like three in the morning and we got there at like four. It was awesome. It was great. And it was fun. And I got tired at the end of the night. But then we did that questions game. And I woke the fuck up. And I'm like, damn, dude. Damn, doggy! Honest communication and catharting in front of friends and sharing stories and moments. That wakes me up. Connection wakes me up. So I don't eat cocaine anymore. I don't do cocaine. Um, PM, my PMS kicked in the very next day. Uh, there was such a great Thanksgiving. And then the next day I woke up just, I was like, I want to throat punch somebody. And Colin was like, okay. I'm like, yeah, don't talk to me today. That's how I said it. Hey, speaking of, Uh. let's do some fuck boy theater. Hmm? Guys, we're gonna read two conversations today. Welcome to Terry Gross's Fuckboy Theater. You just heard Derek on the trumpet; it's his only redeeming quality. All right, guys, this is a conversation between a lady, her name's Aspen, because you're gonna find that out soon, because it's in the message, and a piece of shit named Michael. Um, okay. He says, hey, Aspen, I've been laying around in bed for a while now after work. That's not good. And I wanted to send you a message, but couldn't. Why not? Just you did. Uh And as I'm typing this, still don't know what to say. LOL. It's not funny. You weren't laughing out loud. Shut the fuck up. I'm at a loss for words. And trust me, that doesn't happen much. You ran out of LOLs. You are very beautiful, and I would love the opportunity to get to know you. P.S. This is on Instagram. I promise I'm not a fuckboy or just another guy trying to slide into your DMs, even though it's exactly what you're doing. I'm genuinely interested, and I promise I'm not at all like all the other guys. If you don't want to talk, feel free to ignore this. But if you do, let me ask you a question to get started. How has your week been so far, Aspen? Okay, we're going to move on. We're going to move on to another woman. I think this might be the same. No, it's a different platform. Maybe it's not. To a lovely lady who's just probably gentle and graceful and kind and giving and has never done anything wrong in her life. And a piece of trash from the dumpster named Chris. Chris. Chris responds, I think this is a dating app, but I don't know which one. Chris is responding to a photo of her. I can't see the photo, it's cut off. It's a photo of her, and he just says, Massive. And she says, question mark. And then Chris says, (sighs) tits. LOL, yes. (laughs) Want to see them. (laughs) LOL. This is the best one. i've ever heard (laughs) lol i'm sure you do always so send me why would i no oh come on i would also send something Ooh. (laughs) no please and then he puts the eye emojis like please and then she sends him a screenshot of the dictionary definition of no which I was like, what is the dictionary definition of no? According to Oxford Languages, um, no, uh, it's a deter- as a determiner means not any. There is no excuse, or as an exclamation, used to give used to give a negative response. Is anything wrong? No, something wrong. No, no, or an adverb, not at all, to no extent. They are. There were no more able to perform the task than I. This is a state of masculinity, everybody. Just fucking what? Guys, think of different adjectives and better things to say. Don't tell the lady that her titties are big. She's not going to like it. Unless you're in a strip club and she has big titties. In which case, yes, she's showing them to you for money. Give her money. Say she has nice titties. Don't touch them. Keep your fucking hands in your pants. Not in your pants. Keep them by your sides. Okay. There's an Instagram post that I stumbled across and I was like, you know what? This is, this is what the world needs to hear. This guy, Matt Haig, Matt Z Haig. That's his Instagram handle. H-A-I-G is how you spell his last name. It's Matt with two T's because he's not fucking around. Um, I don't know who wrote I don't know if he wrote this or not but the the top of the post says the world oh yeah I think he did write this and then he says the world is increasingly designed to depress us hmm. happiness isn't very good for the economy <laughs> oh take me to church Matt you are correct if we were happy with what we had why would we need more Sit, let that fucking sink in. How do you sell an anti aging moisturizer? You make someone worry about aging. Houston, we're all gonna age. Can't be avoided. How do you get people to vote for a political party? You make them worry about immigration. How do you get them to buy insurance? By making them worry about everything. How do you get them to have plastic surgery? By highlighting their physical flaws. How do you get them to watch a TV show by making them worry about missing out? Oh, I'm your ideal audience, baby girl. I got FOMO up the ass. How do you get them to buy a new smartphone by making them feel like they are f- being left behind to which I was like, oh, God damn it. I do buy the new iPhone once every other year. And I don't really need it to be calm becomes a kind of revolutionary act. To be happy with your own non-upgraded existence. Ooh, sounds spooky To be comfortable with our messy <clears throat> human selves would not be good for business. Just let that put that in your fucking pipe and then smoke it and then go to work and then watch a TV show on your fucking iPhone as you drive me to Williamsburg. All right now I'm gonna read a part of a book. okay? I'm gonna read this book. This is a new book. We're doing a new book and God damn it. I always get the book recommendations I need exactly when I need them. It's just the thing that has always happened to me. You might have heard me talk about The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk. Very thorough examination of trauma and the effects on the body. And he talked about uh, war veterans, pretty dark stories, and a lot of kids stuff, childhood trauma very dark stories. But that book got it was a great book and I read it a couple times, but a little a lot of the stuff I'm like this is too science and heady for me and now I'm just looking at sparkly things out the window. I can't I can't pay attention. But it was a really good book. And this book is called What Happened to You? What happened to you? Huh? What happened? Uh it's by Dr. Bruce Perry and motherfucking Oprah Winfrey, okay? This is a great great book. I, you know, I love a book when I buy the audible version of it and the hardcover version of it. That's when I love a book. I've already read it thrice. Um, I've had a lot of breakthrough moments. One of the, one of the main pieces of advice, excuse me, that this book gives you is that instead of asking what's wrong with you, which a lot of us do, we do that in society. We do that. We do that all goddamn day and all night. We definitely do it to our kids. I certainly, When I was growing up and I would have all these behavioral issues, I didn't I didn't know why I was a fucking kid. Get off my dick. You know, Um, I didn't know why I had these issues. And I was frustrated by them, too, because I was trying to be perfect. So I got the love that I needed. And uh, my parents would like, you know, experience these issues that I had, these behavioral issues. And just ask, like, what's your problem? What's wrong with you? We well, can't, you fucking, you gotta think before you act. You gotta fucking, and I'm like, oh, God damn it. Oh, I'm so stupid. And then you grow up and you realize, oh, it's not what was wrong with me. It's what had happened to me, okay? What had happened to you? By Dr. Bruce Perry and Oprah Winfrey. This book is fantastic. I had, I was listening to the audio version and I had, by myself at night, uh, in my apartment, smoking a little doobie, just cleaning Organizing, taking this book in, it was, it's just so be- it's beautifully written, and I'm going to skip around, but I'm going to read a couple portions from the beginning of the book. But there was one moment where Oprah, who had not a great childhood, talks about seeing uh witnessing a mother be really tender with her child like I I think she was describing a moment where her friend was cutting up strawberries for her four-year-old daughter and she cut up the strawberries in a very delicate intricate manner and she she formed a rose with the way that she was cutting the strawberries and Oprah just kind of lost it and she was like oh my god no one's ever loved me that much to do that and I and then she talked about a story about a little girl whose mother was dying of, uh, I think it was cancer, only had a couple months to live. And the mother decided to spend her last remaining weeks or months doing a family vacation, just traveling around the country. And she interviewed this little girl on the Oprah show and she played in the audio version. She played footage from uh, audio excerpt from that interview. She did a couple of decades back. And uh, she asked the little girl, what was her favorite part of the trip? And they went to all these really cool places. They saw these cool things. And she was like, my favorite part was I asked my mom because my mom would eat a lot because she knew she was dying. So just whatever she wanted, whenever she wanted, she would eat it. And a lot of times she would eat cereal in the middle of the night and I was nervous about her throat. I guess she had something, something medical up with her throat. So she said, mommy can, when you wake up to get cereal, can you wake me up? I would like to have some with you. And so she said in the interview that her favorite moment of that month long vacation was when her mom would wake her up to have fucking cereal with her daughter at two in the morning. And I, when I tell you a waterfall of tears came out, like I just barfed up, like I had food poisoning, but it was for crying and then it made me realize, oh, my fuck. I am terrified to think of the tender moments I had with my mom. Terrified. I don't know why exactly, but I sat in that and I cried. Boy, did I cry. If you if you want to meet somebody who's not afraid to cry, whenever, wherever... Hi, I'm Christina Hutchinson. I'm not afraid to cry anywhere. It's one of my superpowers. Is it a superpower? Probably not. But uh I'll just cry. And I know that it's just, I got to let it out. Like get this shit out of my body. It's why I'm doing ayahuasca in a couple weeks. I just want to, I want to clean the crevices. I want to get out all the old emotions. So that, that particular part of the book just knocked something loose in me. And I was like, oh my God, I, I don't want to recall any of the tender moments with my mom because I'm scared about them. So, I mean, boy, oh boy, if you had a chaotic upbringing... This book is for you. Or if you know somebody who has and you're dating them or you're best friends with them and you want to understand them a little bit more, maybe more than they understand their own situation because you're locked in the trauma thing, it's tough to take a step back. But then if you have a podcast where you have to watch videos of yourself every week to clip it up and then you realize you're talking over everybody and trying to relate Everything the other person says to something that happened to you and you realize, holy shit, I am just actively in fight or flight on camera in front of the whole Internet. That's embarrassing. Um, so, yeah, this book is really great. So I'm going to read. I'm going to skip around a couple of portions. But this last this last story is fucking fantastic. All right. So sometimes it's Oprah saying stuff and sometimes it's Dr. Perry. I'll let you know which one before I read it. This one is from Oprah. What I've learned from talking to so many victims of traumatic events, abuse or neglect is that after absorbing these painful experiences, the child begins to ache. hmm 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 A deep longing to feel needed, validated, and valued begins to take hold. As these children grow, they lack the ability to set a standard for what they deserve. And if that lack is not addressed, what often follows is complicated, frustrating pattern of self-sabotage, mm, I do that, check, violence, you could technically call my road rage violence, promiscuity. Oops, I turned into a whore. Or addiction. Check, 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 check it, check, check. I also learned from this book that if you if something that pisses you off, like if it makes you go from totally calm and happy to enraged, that's apparently not normal. That's a trauma response. Oopsie poopsie. Didn't know that, but now I do. This is where the work begins, the work to excavate the roots that were put down long before we had the words to articulate what was happening to us. Dr. Perry has helped open my eyes in the ways in which powerful, frightening or isolating sensory experiences that last mere seconds, mere seconds are endured for years, can remain locked deep within our brain. Yet as our brains develop, constantly absorbing new experiences while continuing to make sense of the world around us, every moment builds up all the moments that came before. I've always felt the truth of the saying that the acorn contains the oak. And through my work with Dr. Perry, I know this to be true, too. If you want, if we want to understand the oak, we, it's back to the acorn we must go. Let's go to the egg corn, Oprah. This is still Oprah again. One of the most important things I've learned from your research, yours meaning Dr. Perry's, is that children absorb so much more than we realize. Uh-huh, we do. Oh, uh, you think, oh, just because you're not yelling in front of your kids, they're not gonna absorb the fact that you're in a miserable marriage? Sorry, bitch, we absorb it and we see it and we hear it and we live it. And then we grow up and we're like, why am I a whore? What's wrong with me? And everyone's like, yeah, what's wrong with you? No, what ha- happened to you? What happened to you? OK, what happened? The younger you are, the more sensitive you are to your emotional climate. People feel like they can curse in front of young children. They believe they can be violent in front of young children. I've done hundreds of shows where mothers say, well, when he gets older, I'll leave the abusive father thinking my child's too young to understand when in fact it's exactly the opposite. And then this. Now this is Dr. Perry talking. Yes, it's exactly the opposite. The younger you are, the more you depend on your caregivers, parents, and other adults to help you interpret the world. Help you interpret the world. That is what parenting is. Help you interpret the world. Okay. But some of our interpreter mechanisms be broken or fucked up. In some ways, the young children experiences uh, the young child experiences the world through the, these filters of the adults. When a very young child. While a very young child may not understand the words used in language, they do sense the nonverbal parts of communication, like tone of voice. Oh, my God. And if you had a parent with depression and you come home from school and you're all excited to show your parent this like shitty painting you did because you're like really proud of it and you're like, look at this painting. And your parents like, oh, that's nice. We absorb that. OK, not intellectually, but in our hearts, they they crumble a little bit. OK, OK. And look, I mean, if you have depression, it's hard. You can't. It's impossible to have a perfect tone all the time when you're raising a kid. It's absolutely impossible. But what is consistent? They're going to grow up to be a whore, your kid. They can feel the tension and hostility in angry speech, and the exhaustion and despair of depressed language. Mm-hmm. And because the brain is growing so rapidly in the years, first years after life, and creating thousands upon thousands of associations about how the world works. These early experiences have more impact on the infant and young child. For example, when young children have abusive fathers, their brains begin to connect men with threat, anger, and fear. And this worldview gets built in. Men are dangerous, threatening. They will hurt you and the people you love. If that is your ingrained view of the world, imagine what happens when you have a male teacher or a coach. Imagine how you will view a new, healthy, non-abusive man in your mother's life. Probably not good probably not good. All right. Now this is Oprah talking. How much do you think about your heart every fucking day, Oprah? I think about it every day since before you were even born. That miraculous machine has been steadily pumping the energy of life throughout your body day in and day out at least 115,000 beats each day with the sole purpose of keeping you alive. But beyond the complex physical task of delivering essential nutrients to every cell, tissue, and organ, your heart's pulse also regulates your emotional energy. A strong, even even pace can bring a sense of calm. A rapid staccato can panic even the healthiest person. Well, that's good to fucking know, you know what I mean? We're sensitive motherfuckers, right? There was a time in my late 40s when I noticed a change, a rapid fluttering in my own heart. I immediately started thinking worst case scenario. One night I awoke with my heart beating so intensely, I thought for the first time in my life that I was about to die. It took six months before I understood what was happening. A book I found lying on a table outside the studio where we taped the Oprah Winfrey show noted that heart palpitations can be the part uh, part of menopause. A doctor confirmed that this was true and that my body was indeed undergoing menopausal changes. And I can't tell you how relieved I felt. Relieved and awed because for me, those direct messages from my heart were one of the most powerful connections i would ever made with my unique biosystem. They were proof of what I already believed, that my body is always speaking to me. I mean, yes, girl. The same is true for you. From birth, your heart is constantly sending messages about the state of your well-being. It's intimately attuned to the slightest shifts in your physical and emotional health. And when it sends out a warning, every part of you feels the effect. Okay, now I want to read this last story that is just. It's money. Okay, It's money. Okay, so this is Dr. Perry. This is Dr. Bruce Perry. Yes, Danny Perry. okay. We learn that a connection with another person can be rewarding and regulating. It pulls us to engage with our teachers, coaches, and classmates. It usually leads to more and more positive human interactions that add to our internal catalog of experience. The brain is a meaning-making machine, always trying to make sense of the world. If our view of the world is that people are good, then we will anticipate good things from people. I got to try that out. We project that uh, expectation in our interactions and others and thereby actually elicit good from them. I mean, that's fucking powerful. I would like to do that, please. Our internal view of the world becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy hmm thinking of all the cranky people I know, and bad shit happened to them all the time. We project what we expect, and that helps elicit what we expect. Many years ago, I was at Chicago O'Hare's airport at the water, uh, in the, oh, sorry. I'm gonna start that again. Many years ago, I was at the Chicago O'Hare airport in the winter on my way to an academic conference. It was snowing, and all the flights were delayed. The gate area was filled with frustrated people, including an older gentleman sitting next to me. He was wearing a very expensive suit, and a Rolex watch, which I heard are very pricey. Just put a dump in my house, but whatever, that's not the point. His frustration was clear. Each time the gate agent announced a further delay, he would mutter with fury and anger, angrily snapping his newspaper before reading some more. (laughs) I've seen those at the airport. Hell, I've been those at the airport, except when Kevin's with me because he is a service dog and he does call me. I was watching a tired-looking young couple take turns following their daughter, a toddler, as she explored around the gate, for hours, as the stranded passengers grew more and more irritated, the toddler kept smiling, exploring, and touching everything she saw. Woo, kids are filled with germs, huh? At one point, when the gate agent came out and announced another delay, the man next to me burst from his seat, almost ran to the agent. <laughs> we've all seen that. And loudly demanded to see her supervisor. Okay, male Karen, I'm a gold medallion traveler, and I know people on the board. I'm doing Cleveland for a very important meeting. The whole gate fell silent as his rant continued. The poor gate agent simply looked out the window, pointed to the heavily falling snow and said, I'm sorry, sir, we're doing our best, but we can't control the weather. The man huffed back to his seat. Now in my working model of the world, rude, entitled men treating people poorly are jerks. Uh huh. But when I glanced over at the little girl, her head was cocked as if she were trying to figure out why everyone had gotten quiet when this man had talked. I fucking love kids. They're so pure. Her working model of the world was that people are good. So whatever else this man might be, he was good too. Yeah, he was probably good deep down, even though you wanted to punch him and you hated him for being a bitch. She walked over and stood before him. She put her sticky little hands on his knees and smiled. He frowned and snapped his paper up to read right in front of her face. Yo, if that was my kid and that guy did that, I'd be like, you want a fucking knuckle sandwich, motherfucker? My worldview was reinforced. He's even mean to little children? Super jerk. The little girl paused, then clearly thinking that this was a game because people are good, right? She smiled and ripped the paper down, beaming at who she thought would be her new playmate. Oh man, I thought this is bad, but I was wrong. And she was right. She smiled, her big smile, and shaking his head in defeat, he smiled back. Her goodness projected was contagious. She drew the best from this man, and her worldview was reinforced. For the next 30 minutes, the two of them played together as her parents looked on. He even got down on his hands and knees, expensive suit be damned, and to give her a horsey ride around the dirty, crowded gate. She elicited what she projected. Thanks to an internalized view of the world that came from thousands of loving moments when her parents, family, and caregivers were present, attentive, and responsive in loving ways. you like that this is a fucking great book and i'm gonna be diving more deeply into it as as the episodes go so that guys thank you so much for letting me be the voice in your heads congratulations on surviving another week as a human being it's not easy we out here doing all beyonce's work the lord um and then if you happen to catch the beyonce movie in theaters and you get a screenshot because i haven't seen the movie yet i've seen it tonight i'm gonna try to get a screenshot And record it But I might not be able to So send it to me Uh, At Christina Hutch That's all That's my social media And all the things Hopefully, you know, it's K-R-Y-S-T-Y-N-A, Hutch, but you you might not. So uh, that's what it is. And make sure you follow me. If you're interested in the things I say and want to do uh, Zooms with me once a week and a group of lovely people just shooting the shit, talking about whatever's on their mind, sign up for my Patreon at patreon.com slash Christina Hutchinson and have a blessed fucking day.